Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome back to Post Show Recaps coverage of Interview with the Vampire. We are talking about episode four, The Ruthless Pursuit of Blood with All a Child's Demanding. My name is Grace. I'm here with my fellow vampire. Rich, how are you doing? I'm so good, Grace. I'm in my comfy little fall coffin. It's got wonderful mm-hmm. cushioning. It's just me and my diary and the cereal that I ate this morning, which is coursing through my veins, uh, surging with sugar. So it's all good stuff. It's too bad we didn't have we, we we did have to kill the like Undertaker from the thing. I thought our plan of being like Richard is gonna die <laughs> was gonna work, but it's not yeah, really good. I got a little no. too excited. I did I get very worked up in the old coffin shop, uh, but I mean, who cares? Nobody's gonna miss them much. I mean, they seem pretty expensive, but I, I feel like not enough people do their pre-coffin shop, pre I guess pre-death coffin shopping, you know? Like, it does seem pretty fun. You get to pick out what you're going to be. I mean, I don't think I'm going to be buried in a coffin. I think oh, you could just burn my ashes, but... Yeah. yeah, that's my big problem nowadays, too. I'm really into the whole... Have you ever heard about the fungus suits that they do? They, like, <laughs> wrap no. you... Yeah, they wrap you in a shroud, like a mummy that is loaded oh. with all this, like, uh, mycelium. I'm probably saying that wrong. Somebody check with Melissa Woodward. And yeah. then they bury you, and you sprout into spore oh cool yeah. Yeah. that's cool i I'm like that like mushroom burial i think and then i can uh return to the circle of life do, do you like instead of picking coffin because i was thinking if i'm gonna be like cremated that at least i'll pick out my little my little urn you know mm-hmm. um I, i'll make something really nice uh do you get to at least pick like what type of mushroom you're gonna be rich uh that would be a good question if yeah. i could i would definitely go for cremini's big favorite i love a chanterelle i do some chanterelle foraging up here in the woods um all of this is honestly for effect though i feel like i'm deceiving the audience and i need to be honest probably i will be cremated too i'm not gonna have an urn <laughs> i just have a rock i, I have a a very special oh. rock that I picked out in the woods when I was like okay. 11 years old because much like Claudia uh, I had a very morbid fascination as a young person perhaps yeah yeah fair also just a reminder to subscribe to our feed pushrecaps.com slash vampire to get all of your interview with the vampire episodes all in one place please subscribe rate and review that would be much appreciated um well last week you said yeah it ends on Claudia I think we talked a lot about claudia last week but this is full-on claudia episode to the point uh that you were making before we started chatting you like that we get uh you know in claudia's head uh the way that this episode is framed is that louis not around rashid offers daniel you know a look into uh the, the some of the the old 
uh, relics, the diaries, Claudia's diaries that then he will read through. And so we get Claudia narrating it, which I actually, I, I agree with you. I think it is a good choice to have um, uh, th this episode, the only sort of main character woman uh, in, in the show to, to sort of let us in on her perspective through her diaries, which is fun. Yeah, um, I, I mean, Interview with the Vampire, it's such this classic story. Obviously, we end up getting uh, the incredible Kirsten Dunst is kind of like discovered in the original film back in the 90s. She's cast as a very young child in the role of Claudia. This iteration of Claudia has aged up a little bit, but she's one of the most fascinating characters in the whole story to me. Uh, perhaps like the most compelling. She's just, it's such an interesting point of view to explore the whole notion of immortality and vampirism, the arrested development of it all the kind of existential conflict that like comes out of her position as it were and in a certain way i think they say it in like the after the episode excerpt but she's more vampire than either of them she is so fully of this space like i think what's really interesting to me about the whole notion of vampirism, especially the way Anne Rice writes about it, is there is some part of like, oh, you're my lover, you're my killer, you're my maker, you're my parent and teacher, right, in this new world. And part of what Lestat's coming up against with Louis is undoing his perception, right? This notion of like raising an adult child who already has a viewpoint and perspective on the world. And Louis's morality gets in the way of like Lestat's perfect partner. Right. right. And so we don't have to deal with that with Claudia. You have like the unmitigated kind of blank canvas, the blank page of a diary. Right. Which I love, like kind of that metaphor, too, where they can teach her as they will. But the danger there is that she has none of the social graces of humanity. And this is terrifying. Right. Uh, she's like completely unbridled to the title of the episode the ruthless pursuit of blood with all a child's demanding this is an exact dan rice line and probably like one of the reasons i find claudia immediately so compelling uh it sums her up so well um yeah i i'm obviously coming into this with only having watched the movie and i do think there's you know a high bar set by a kirsten dunn's performance i was a little um hmm i think tonally this was a bit jarring for me, uh, the yep. Claudia portrayal in this episode. Um, you know, it is it is still dark. I mean, Claudia Claudia kills many people in this episode. I believe three. I think three kills. If I'm, uh, yeah, uh, the police officer, the carriage driver participates in the in the like uh, in the people lovers the lane, car, the lovers lane. I think actually there might be one more that I'm missing. Um, uh, yeah, there's a stagecoach driver that she just discusses after the fact as she lays in the coffin with his blood. Yeah, um, yeah. So yeah. she kills a lot of people. So it's not like it's not dark. Um, and I guess that's like the point. And, and I think that this is one of those episodes that I think the more um, I'm removed from it. And I think especially, again, this thing of like, this is only the fourth episode of seven episodes that I actually really like where we get to by the end of the episode. And so... I, I found I found it just to be too much of a jaunt, which is kind of the point of Claudia. Like it is this like childlike innocence, but then the fact that they aged her up a little bit, um, you know, I I felt like she had an innocence that even from a child that age um, uh, wouldn't work. And I, there's also this piece of that. So initially, they don't try to hide anything from her. That um, this idea that there's no secrets. Uh, we get to learn a little interesting fact. I'm not sure I picked up on either from the movie or the show thus far, which is that it's only Lestat who's blocked 
from speaking telepathically and reading. Yep. Yeah, it's only the maker, which is that a change from either the book or the movie, or that's that's been there the whole time and I just No, I believe that is uh canonically part of Anne Rice's lore. I would have to go back. It's been a while since I've like actually fully reread. Um and I've been like digging away a little bit, a couple of chapters a week here as we're watching the episodes. Rich, so I also I, started the book. Yeah. Ooh, cool. Yeah. yeah. Exciting. Yeah, it's been great so far. Yeah, It's a great book. It really is a great book. I think that you raise a really good point that, look, Kirsten Dunst like set such a high bar with the character when you're coming in with that perception. And I guess the two things that I do find working against each other is that we both simultaneously age Claudia up uh, in the books, in the film. She's much more like an eight-year-old than a 14-year-old, which is a pretty big yes. deal, right? Yes. I mean, we're nearly like doubling the age of the kid at this point. Yes. Um, there's a huge level of like understanding and maturity that comes with that. And then I think the other part of it, too, your point here that especially when we look at claudia's life i mean she articulates it at a certain point you would think that like a girl whose mother died whose daddy gave her away to a mean aunt who beats her up just because nobody said she couldn't who's like raised in a brothel it dies in a fire all of this right uh you would imagine her to be a little more jaded worldly cynical right and and louis even is like articulating within the episode here her naivete and and the sheltered element that that has kind of come up around her but there is like this real kind of juxtaposition to the tonality of like claudia like dear diary you know uh, yeah and the jaunty like mary poppins energy happening there amidst like the very macabre stuff that they're doing right yeah i think you've actually now highlighted where it's sometimes I, f- I have a feeling and I can't figure out like, well, yeah, but I, how do I actually get there? Which is, it's exactly that. It's from the moment that she has turned into a vampire. She is like, okay, cool. Like, this is my life. Mm-hmm. Cool. I'm going to embrace it. And I feel like a thing that they missed out on that I think they've been doing really well with Louie and Daniel is that what Louie told Daniel in San Francisco or what he's telling now it doesn't always align exactly with what we're seeing in the flashbacks that, you know, there's certain times where Louis is trying to craft a narrative, but that doesn't actually work. You know, Daniel's pushing back on certain things about, you know, were you free? Were you actually free? I got in the coffin. It's like, yeah, but like, what else are you going to do? You know, you didn't actually do this on your own accord. And I do feel like, you know, I, I like the idea of, of the diary because we get it from Claudia's perspective. And the diary certainly could be, you know, written post, you know, um, you know, at a time where she's like, this is what happened to me when I when I died. And, you know, and, and like write sure. it in such a more rose colored thing, because I think the thing that could be is really interesting about the Claudia story is, yeah, she, a person who who does suffer, who who has this like sort of awful life in the movie she's sitting i think in the same room that her mother has died she's her mother's with her in the dead mother's corpse yeah she's right. like cradled in the arms of her mother's corpse in this room there's like a pestilence and a plague i think we're talking about uh yes. the spanish influenza of like the right. early 1900s right and yes yeah that'd be yeah in 1980 that yeah that's so this time and so i i do feel like this is exactly i think as as you've illuminated exactly where i have trouble is that claudia seems so immediately just like well i'm a vampire which i guess you could say is is children but i i i think i'm so fascinated i've said this a lot of like coming of age stories of stories Mm -hmm. about people this age because it's so much like nature versus nurture and obviously like it's neither one of those things and so it's actually both of those things and how those things play into and can you really be blamed for making decisions at this age and i just feel like this doesn't feel like 
authentic to what somebody who has just been in the situation would be feeling. And I don't mind the story of like where Claudia shows up when she's a vampire, eventually getting there. And then also by the end of the episode being like, oh, I'm going to have a lot of fun with this. Like, mm -hmm. like I'm free now. I, there's no, nothing tethering me. Um, you know, uh, you know, society made me suffer before I, you know, I had this aunt who abused me. My mom, my family died in a fire, you know, all of this stuff. Like, okay, let's have some fun. Cause she's a child. Um, I think all, and I love, I think the episode does do a pretty good job of showing these two different parenting styles that are going to oh, yeah. come into play. And that they, yeah. Uh, that Louis and Lestat are very different. And she goes to them for different things, right? Mm -hmm. um, but I think that is my biggest critique is that it, it felt, you know, for a character that the whole intrigue is like a rest of development. I feel like we move right into like, uh, uh, okay, I'm cool with being a vampire. Cool. And I'm like, gosh, I feel like even a child should be like, this is probably bad, right? A little bit of like reluctance there yeah for yeah. me it's the aging up element like i think it's good that they age her up this whole story of charlie and her first date this is a new creation for the show this is not something from the books or something you see in the movie and i think it works really well a huge part of the journey of claudia that she's articulating in this episode is the transition through adolescence and like the kind of sexual awakening that you're happening then uh, like the sexuality so tied in with the characters that we're dealing with in the story right and this this re this recognition that she has of like oh wait i will never fully mature i will never be an adult i will never be looked at by the other uh humans the mortals in the world as like a per participating consenting adult i can never have that opportunity you've like trapped me here right um that realization is so important. I really liked the shift just to your point there about the, like putting it in her voice of like going mm -hmm. to the diary and getting her voice. The, the tonal juxtaposition was a lot though. Uh, she, aging her up to me creates this conflict wherein she should be a little bit more reluctant by 14 years old. You would imagine somebody raised in a brothel in the streets of new Orleans would have some gauge of morality, at least on the measure of like murder and death and all of this. Uh, and when you make Claudia like a seven or an eight year old child, I think you're able to like strip her of that level of understanding much, much more easily. It's much more authentic to me that she is this like, unbridled impulse right claudia right. is like this impulse unfolding like what does she want in the moment she will take it she will seize it she will have it and i think in certain ways this episode showed that better almost than the movie does like when they take her out hunting and she's in the park and just like runs off and the stats like wait wait uh, they have to like chase her down like this notion of her being a impulsive little girl having a child's demanding like really carries but by making her like an adolescent uh i don't know i mean maybe I'm, I'm being very idiosyncratic but by the time i was 14 like i was pretty jaded and cynical grace i'd like been through enough stuff to like be uh, a pretty aged up adolescent i guess you know yeah and i think i mean not that i want to show that's like full of her trauma like i don't know that we need um the backstory of it but if you know i'm wondering if there's anybody who like you know actually studies uh, psychology uh, dr amanda uh <laughs> if we could ask dr amanda like d you know is this actually a reasonable response to to trauma as well that i i have heard this that there it can be i think that um children who who suffer trauma can can like regress right in like development mm -hmm. um so if mm -hmm. there's that i i think the big reason rich they have to age up claudia here is not for any story purposes but if this show goes 
two, three, four, five seasons. Oh, yeah. Yes. Uh, what do you do? What do you keep re- if you have eight year old Claudia? You keep recasting her. Like that's that's tough. So I can kind of see the necessity to say, well, if we're gonna if Claudia is gonna be a major fixture on this show, she has to be at an age that you know, um, you know, she, even if by the end of it, she's looking a little like the cast of Euphoria being a high school student, you know? Um, but what else can you do, I think, um, at that point? Which is, I think, a bit unfortunate. I don't know if that's actually what their their uh, decision there is in terms of why to age up Claudia. They've obviously, I think, you know, we both agreed that like some of these choices are, are, are really smart in terms of the things that they've changed to make a modern retelling of the story, like Louis being a black man, like Louis, um, uh, you know, existing in sort of 1910 uh, instead of it being 1700s and a, and a plantation. I think that a lot of these are really smart. This is the first one where I, I felt like, yeah, I, I don't know if I would have aged her up. Yeah, I agree with the aging. Uh, I do love the casting of Claudia as a black girl, I think is really important. This is a fundamental change. She notes it in the episode, right? Louis was always my favorite, but Uncle Les and I, sometimes we had a real lot in common, right? Can I just jump down? As somebody who has an Uncle Les, this was a tough Not not loving that? Not loving (laughs) Uncle Les? No, no, no. no. I was not loving it. I do have a real Uncle Les. Daddy Lou and Uncle Les? Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. This is is a change, too. I don't think Anne Rice. He's ever asked Claudia refer to anybody as daddy, but daddy. Um, I love Bailey Bass in the casting here. I do yeah, think I that there is this like precocious element for whatever it's worth. Like the writing's beyond her control, right? She's like playing to yep. what they're telling her to play to, and she does kill it. This ridiculously mm-hmm. over the top. I mean, it's got big black comedy episode uh, vibes here, right? Hundred percent. Like the the like absolute just conflict between how violent and impulsive and destructive she is with like the euphoric childlike glee with which she indulges in all of this is like a very delightful part of Claudia Um, and like by casting her as like a young black woman and that connection with Louis, the immediacy of like a black angel came this whole notion of like as she talks through the whole initial change I guess that's the thing for me where like I was cool that she kind of bought into it as quickly as she did but for me it was the element of her being so naive and sheltered and like not kind of knowing how to behave in public or how to like respond or how to, how to like oh yeah I shouldn't kill the police officer in the street there will be consequences to that you know um there is some of that to children of like not understanding the consequences of their actions that's really authentic but by 14 years old like i had a pretty clear understanding like if you do something bad to a cop it's gonna end up really bad for you right yeah claudia in the in the movie does this um like she sort of rebel and again because she's younger but she rebels through like didn't she cut the, the, the she cuts her own hair but she also yes. cuts the doll's hair like it's a, because this idea that like oh it actually won't is it that it won't grow back uh, yes so there's this back? element where in the film and in the books they bring her we see her birthday here in this episode right. and so her birthday is this notable event in the books as they're like transpiring we're like flying through time right over like a decade of like claudia this episode ultimately and so lestat brings her these porcelain dolls and when she's an eight-year-old girl she loves them and suddenly she's like 25 and he's bringing her these porcelain dolls and she's like indignant of like dude you realize like i don't care about the dolls anymore another one thanks so she has this recognition of like i'm one of your dolls you dress me like them you treat me like them and and kirsten dunce with like the ridiculous kind of curly sue golden curls of hair which she cleaves off 
and it immediately grows back. Uh, oh, right. And we kind yeah, of right. touch on that in this episode very lightly of like Louis saying to her immediately, your nails, are you wondering if they're going to stay like yeah. that? They will. Um, that we are frozen immortal in this visage right with their hair just as it is in the film both of them with like the ridiculously long ponytails you know uh and and they're like frozen in this image that they were turned in right yeah i think that the the you know um yeah i i feel like the, the claudia movie claudia just immediately is so much more I don't know. It feels it feels more complex. It feels more interesting to me, I think, than than this version um, of Claudia. This, this felt pretty one note until we get to the end. Um, and, and even that is it, you know, um, it's not that, she, you know, she's saying, I guess it's not even that different. By the end, she's saying, you know, OK, now it's time to have some fun, which is more of a like blatant like I'm going to do. I need to be I think where I read it is I need to be more. um uh, sneaky, I guess, about like doing mm -hmm. the stuff I want to do. I, I've been too sort of like, you know, the fact that she just like runs away from the car, which just feel like very much like a child of like, I'm running away. You know? mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure. Um, th then at the end of the episode, and obviously th there's also like her putting her hand, uh, her arm in, um, in the sunlight, um, which is, um, pretty brutal. I think like in terms of, you know, the analogies there to like, you know, um, self-harm. Mm -hmm. um that she's like not in this good place and i think by the end of that i'm i'm a little bit more optimistic about what what we'll get in these last three three episodes but i yeah i just found claudia a little bit to be two two one notes um um this episode but Yep. I totally get it. Uh, I love the, you know, the dynamic. I think part of what connected me with this story as a younger person, too, is like growing up in the like dysfunctional family, you know, the like broken mm -hmm. home, as it were, and like yep. the cob job family that they build around them together and the level of like toxic dysfunction that exists perpetually in the space while they're able to like maintain the facade of like everything is great. This is all fine. You know, for many years, they like live in the state until it comes apart. I like that element of it um the way that like it articulates the real distinctions between louis and lestat right lestat just like egging on the absolute worst impulses of this girl like yep. trying to create this monster out of her the absolute delight he has when they bring her to the park and louis like oh she takes after me you know she doesn't want to kill and then she just kind of goes wild racing down the street there and lestat's like gleeful at at the prospect of this and so kind of excited to nurture these impulses in her but then at the same time uh to really make her like wallow in the pain of her mistake right of right. like what adolescent hasn't made a mistake what human being hasn't made a mistake grace right and so she like has this catastrophic moment where she ends up killing charlie or whatever and the way he just like drives her into that pain and makes her linger there and we get it as we're like cutting away right while well, Lestat's like look watch and you hear Louie like it'll pass you have us it's very like thin line and she's like I don't want you you yeah. know this notion of as we come to the end of her with like the self-harm the like cutting analogies of the rebellious teenager and the like no more you know daddy's girls here like I'm gonna do what I'm gonna do is very compelling going forward right yeah uh i i agree 
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. God, Lestat, A plus on the scene where she He's brings home uh, yeah. the, the, the body that's been, uh, uh, can't do anything, you drained her dry. <laughs> God, Lestat, so brutal, but so funny at the same time. Really should not like him, but I love him. So uh, he he's funnier because Louis gets so angry too, right. right? There is the element of Claudia being like, it's funnier when they fight in French. Like, I'll be honest, yeah. I like it when they fight in English, Claudia. <laughs> yeah. It's very funny both ways. Well, Louis, he's like yeah. getting yeah. so mad. Louis is like so indignant. It's he's just like, he's not half dead, he's fully dead. You know, <laughs> like, what do you want me to do? Uh the scene of Louis pleading with Lestat, like to turn her, I thought was also excellent. Right. Agreed. Um, because there is this real trauma bond happening between them. Like Lestat is the abuser, Lestat is the like abusive spouse in the relationship. And I don't want to like speak out of turn here, right? But there is still this desperate element that he has where like he's tr- he so badly wants to get Louie to a place that he he wants him to be. And it's right. like, maybe I'll do this thing. He's desperate to please Louie for as much as like he torments this poor man. And it, it is very toxic and abusive. He is like, okay, I'll do this thing. If you beg it of me, like I will do it. I can't deny you. Right. Yeah. I, I totally agree. I, I think this is really interesting. I think especially that it's, do they explain why Louis couldn't turn Claudia just doesn't really know how yet Uh, it's more about like knowledge in the books than it is potential right but he's never done this thing and so I think there's a fear of like the cutting into this it's like well seems pretty straightforward but but there's this idea that you have to drain them pretty much to the point of like you can't like if you do it and you just kill them you've killed them Uh, this is exactly what she does to the carriage driver right so 
Yeah, this is interesting to me that by it being Lestat who turns Claudia and I and this scene where they come outside, she's like, and this is the other one. I was like, yeah, I don't know. She's like, is this my fountain? <laughs> okay, cool. Uh, what kid doesn't want their own fountain, I guess? Uh, but then Louis and Claudia start talking telepathically. And this is where mm -hmm. I said, yes, okay. Like new, kind of new information to me that it's just your master who you get blocked. By. I kind of assumed no vampires could read each other's minds, but no, you can't read your masters. Uh, your master can't read your thoughts essentially. And it, it creates a very interesting dynamic between the three of them that oh, yeah. um, uh, Lestat is the one who has made them both. Um, but now they're sort of like, you know, even though like Louis is, is, is like, um, Claudia's uh, like a uh, parental figure. They're also like siblings in a way in this idea that like they both, they both have the same, like you're talking about like uncle less, like yeah. it's actually like grandfather, no, not grandfather, like, yeah, like dad less. <laughs> like we're, mm -hmm. you know, because they have this now relationship that like he, Lisette can't even really be a part of it. He's going to try. He, he's trying. He's in this control freak, but he's now set himself up in a situation where these two, and then I, again, I think the choice to have, if you, if the, the fact that Louis, is black. I think making Claudia black makes a lot of sense here as well Huge, yeah. in terms of the connection that they will have that Lestat can never, um, can never understand. I like, uh, uh, Claudia asking, uh, about Lestat's history and he's very, uh, he doesn't answer. It's, it's late. Um, and Louis is going to say like, yeah, he's old and they don't like asking or answering questions about their past. Um, but cause like, you know, he had this relationship with somebody previously, but he's obviously not with them um whoever made lestat is not in the picture at the moment and so yeah there's this like this very interesting dynamic i think which is you know the thing that we were very excited about claudia coming in i think so much of um just the situation that like claudia gets inserted into this picture is very is very fun um as a dynamic uh in this vampire show yeah part of what's so great i think about the book is the way that it leads you into these introductions right and like lestat is this enigmatic mysterious figure who is present through our story but we know so little about but it does such a good job like just putting you in louis point of view and establishing the kind of status quo of his new life between him and Lestat. And then you throw Claudia in. And it was always a thing I was so taken by Anne Rice's ability. Like, it's not a monster of a book, you know? It's not like a Wheel of Time, Eye of the World, book one that's 800 pages. Uh, it's it's a pretty standard, like, 350-page paperback. Yes, yeah, I mean, like, yeah. a pretty standard novel, right? Um, but she's so effectively able to like recapture these new beginnings there's all these like new starts in interview with the vampire of like the chapters feel like these definitive chapters of a person's life right and the introduction of claudia just makes the whole thing so much more dynamic by throwing this third element in because to your point there is this bond that the two of them share that's beyond Lestat, where they are like siblings they are new and that little scene in the boat is so great as he mm -hmm. like takes the fish and she's like oh god how do you even do that you know like you can't like it he's like look i try to like it you know which is plays on the mirror of like i tried to like like women you know i pretended that i did um and and was like just interesting the notion that like 
he's trying to push himself into this thing and how much of it is like actually who he is and what he thinks he needs to be, how much is his morality like holding him back. There's all this interesting conflict there. But that beat of, look, Lestat's an old man and sometimes old people don't like to talk about the past. Like, you best be careful where you go digging, girl. Like, are you yeah. listening to me? You know, do you understand? Like, to which Lestat, like even in the coffin is like, I'm much less forgiving when I'm tired. You yeah, know, that's right. Don't, so good don't push too much um in the book the whole like turning of claudia is a little bit different where louis finds her with like the plague ridden mother and he feeds on her like an impulse and he's been kind of like choking himself back he's trying to live rat life you know but he feeds on this girl and nearly kills her and lestat then like on impulse just turns her like realizing what he's going to do it's a much more overtly manipulative play than a plea from louis in that same kind of way right um yeah but nonetheless it's it's a great dynamic between the three of them of Lestat is so jealous of their connection and their bond right but also so possessive of both of them individually right he's their uh, maker yeah yeah um it's really strong there's some stuff in this episode well let, let's do you have a favorite kill that I, I love I'm watching a lot of horror movies because it is mm -hmm, October mm -hmm. uh I have to say the uh the, the police officer kill it's pretty good. It's pretty fun. Uh, she's the police like standing. officer one is fantastic. Yeah, she's standing still, and then he's like calls her the devil. It's really good. I really, I thought that was an excellent kill. Uh, and then just like Lestat, like carrying the draped body <laughs> the house is so good. It's great. I loved it. I love Lestat like being annoyed. I think the kill after the police officer kill where she's like, I'm still hungry. Right, and right. Lestat's like, oh, a terrible revelation. You know, uh, her ferocious, like youthful metabolism will be perpetually sustained. I love that beat. But I think my favorite kill for the sake of like the horror movie of it all, it's got to be the lover's lane. Like it's just so yeah. over the top and dramatic. And the girl like runs from the car screaming like there's something out there. And Lestat's like, yes. She's with me. She's uh, with me. It's She's so me. great. Like Lestat quietly capturing my heart. This show, like I, I really do. He's such perfect a casting character. But yeah, because we know he's evil, and mm -hmm. Louis knows he's evil, and Claudia's gonna know he's evil, and they can't stop just being compelled by him. Like we watch this like tender moment of like Louis sneaking into Lestat's like coffin in the middle of the night that like Claudia catches. Like it is. It's really good casting. Uh, uh, Sam Reed here. Uh, he's he's marvelous. It's excellent. I was so kind of worried about it at first because I feel like he's such an integral character and he is very over the top. I know you've used uh -huh. the word like campy talking about the interview yeah. with the vampire film. And yeah. I would push back that like camp to me, there's a level of intention in the creation of like, we really want this to be a little bit ridiculous to the extent of it being funny. And an interview ends up being campy because it's a self-referential. I think it's like so operatic and over the right. top. And like, I remember Tom Cruise being cast as Lestat and this like oh god I don't know is yeah, can Tom Cruise do this and he was so ridiculous Grace in that role it's really one ridiculous. of like yeah it's one of my favorite Tom Cruise roles uh, by far and I think that we're getting it like very much that same energy of Lestat just being so ridiculously over the top uh, I'm, I'm really I'm all about the Sam Reed portrayal here it's been great we get into this run at least uh, two. He's going to go from the, he does Mission Impossible, obviously mm -hmm. a huge role. Then he's in Jerry Maguire, and I feel like he's very like funny in Jerry. He's very like over the top 
in, it, in it was like, like a rebirth i feel like the tom yeah. cruise like 2.0 era or whatever yeah. right he's like yeah. i'm gonna have fun i'm gonna have a lot of fun yeah. that was him uh, jumping on the couch with oprah and stuff too right around yeah, there. A little bit, <laughs> yeah. yeah uh yeah boy Gosh, uh, I really love Tom Cruise. Uh, I mean, he's done a lot of work. Yeah, 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 we're not huge yeah. fans of of Elrond per se. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, speaking of godlike figures, uh, how about uh, Rashid? We get some more insight into Rashid. So, two notes here. He's in the beginning of the episode saying that Louis's not available, but you can see uh, these uh, these other uh, artifacts. Please wear these gloves. <laughs> really hilarious. Uh, and then later, Daniel's going to walk out, and Rashid is is praying. And so Daniel's going to be like, "I thought, I thought Louis was your god." Um, and Rashid doesn't give uh, a ton. Just you know, do you have everything you need? And then we're going to see Daniel go back and type. Um, in in his uh, files about Rashid, I I thought a weird editing choice. Like you can only sort of see half of what he's he's typing about Rashid. But... Seemed very intentional. We could see the notes from above, right? Yeah. yeah. So what do you make of this? Because Rashid is a new a new character. Uh, uh, obviously, like this whole idea that Louis um, and Daniel have met before, and now this is where Louis is uh, uh, in in his life when they meet. Um, but then, you know, this has got to be in here for for a reason, this like examination, even if it's a brief window into Rashid. Yeah, it's very interesting to me that the the beat that he gives of like, oh, you're not a native of du of Dubai. What is that? Crimea or something. And Rashid's response is Dubai is a baby. No one is a native of Dubai or Dubai is a child. Right. A child. And yeah. in this episode that's very focused on claudia it's like oh, okay i heard that line rashid right this notion of like the youth and the, the, again the kind of like blank slate of it all and like the reinventing yourself you could come to this place and be anybody claudia is like all of this potential i'm like trying to find the metaphor there that feels like i think that just works beyond my grasp right but i think there is like something very interesting about this and like the way that they use the editing choice to only show us half the line and the stuff before of like you only refers to louis as mr dupont du lac uh the like reverence of all of it i serve a god not the god a god right which is an interesting perception um I, I, this is where I get in like my weird vampire mythology that exists outside of my books per se. And I start like, wondering of like, is this immortal who has been given vampiric blood for a long time and has mm. been able to like outlive this longevity of a normal life? Is there an expectation of an embrace from Louis? Is there, is this some type of like indoctrination for him eventually to be turned? Or is this about like service as a mortal to this immortal being? It's all very compelling though. And I love having, Rashid as a presence in the house that is kind of diverting Daniel and like keeping him distracted, keeping him occupied, shifting his focus as Louis takes this like day of rest. It's very interesting dynamic. And and for me as like having a brand new character here, it's really exciting to be like, okay, what are they doing with this? It's all small, but everything in this show feels pretty pointed, you know, uh, it's there with real intentions. So, yeah, I think the thing that intrigues me is it's the biggest unknown on, on the board in terms yep. of what's going to happen. Um, like I think, we both know that it feels like the show well they made these changes they're the the, the structure has been pretty um you know uh faithful to the book mm -hmm. um that the events that are happening even if they happen differently are still based on things that are happening um and so i don't know how the book ends i don't know how the movie ends and i'll not spoil it mm -hmm. it's really tremendous and fun it's a um, fantastic ending yeah 
and so that just it just it just gets my wheels uh, uh turning about what Rashid could mean to what the end of season one could look like in terms of the Daniel and and Louis story um and not the end for say if this I mean I'm, I'm wondering whether this this show you know we've talked about this is it gonna like be faithful to the entire first book how much will they uh will they choose to leave anything for a season two um but uh yeah it's really fun to think that like I don't know what's going on here in 2022 uh with Rashid and Daniel and Louis so the whole shifting of Louis to Dubai putting him in 2022 advancing the timeline to be like concurrent with us now it's incredibly fascinating like Louis in many ways has uh replicated what Lestat was for him and like in terms of being this very kind of wealthy business magnate who's got like resources abound that is not a concern that's the depiction we get on the show uh the Lestat of the books is like a little bit more seemingly destitute like part of the choice to choose Louis might be because of his big giant plantation house and like the accoutrements that come with this man right mm-hmm. so so there's a bit of a shift here but Louis as this like hyper successful individual with like untold wealth and extensions all around the world and like access the whole even notion of like the diaries that we get to of Daniel being like where were these in 1972 um, and, and Louis being like one was in Paris one was in New Orleans one was here uh I'm so curious about Rashid as a lens into the parts of Louis's life that we don't know about because they didn't exist during the book, right? This is this whole yeah. like new space or a new chapter. And so as I talk about like interview with the vampire as a book as a film even you see these like new starts new starts new starts which is interesting about a story of like being immortally dead and trapped in like stasis that they get all these new beginnings. So I'm really curious to see what this chapter is what these like unwritten pages of louis life are and rashid is like the lens into that for me right rather than like the diary perhaps explicitly rashid is a way to like see that another through another point of view that i'm very curious about yeah and i think if it was just him praying and then we get the line about the um you know dubai as a child i think i think i'm with you that like that feels just for the metaphor that feels just Mm -hmm. to hammer home the point of, of what we're talking about um in in the in the flashbacks but i think the fact that he goes and makes a note on rashid and it's so clearly he's he opens up the file i i, I think that there's more to it that feels more intentional than just uh, a hammer home the metaphor we do get a scene between daniel and louis we only get one this episode uh it's about them both talking about essentially having daughters uh and what that that does to you how it changes you um i really liked um this 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 scene and this beat um especially knowing that like we then immediately cut to this final scene of claudia who's so you know uh rebelling right against um both of them but you know louis seems to be sort of like the more at least like stable father figure between the two. I mean, she's the one she calls daddy, which is, you know, just because probably uh, he's black. <laughs> he said, so they would go and meet uh, the family. I love how concerned Grace and uh, Levi are. And I have no questions about like, how did you get like a teenage daughter? Because <laughs> I guess, I guess if we move 10 years though, even, yeah, it doesn't make the timeline doesn't make any sense that like that would make sense. They have to question how he got this daughter right yeah there is like a vague beat i think he like is very much like ah yeah we found her she was orphaned whatever right you know and like their contempt at like the relationship of like are you sure you're the right people the lack of like questioning about like my god you haven't aged much have you you know like Mm -hmm. all of that like felt pointed but i I love that scene as he goes to the funeral everything you're getting from claudia there of just like how creepy and what were her last words you're like god what the hell (laughs) 
you know what her last words are? Yeah, yeah. It's fantastic, right? Um, and and the whole beat of like Claudia's last words to the family of like, oh yeah, Claudia's asked to retire. Like, yeah, I'm sure it's a lot for her. Like, yeah, it smells, it reeks in here, it's terrible. <laughs> like, so great. Um, but the, the scene of like Malloy and Louis reflecting back and this notion of like the daughters, right? Of Malloy being like, she was a daughter to you, right? Louis's talking about how like everything changed when she was there. Uh, that like ultimately she she was like this pansia for all of like the pains, the conflict, the chaos of his life before. And Malloy is able to immediately be like, Oh yeah, she was your daughter. The love is, and he can't, he doesn't even like finish the line. Right. It just like yeah. lets it linger. Um, and Louis like responding this notion, like, yeah, like you have two daughters. And if you were to come across one of their diaries and learn in detail, how and when exactly you failed them, would you share that failure with the brash young reporter that you met in Polynesian Mary, which is like, that's <laughs> like fantastic to like really set the stage of like how these two connected once upon a time. And the fact that like Louis maybe wasn't so forthright and transparent about all the truths that he had to reveal here, you know, that yeah. he needed to like vet this guy a little bit. I just, I love it. Right. Right? And the vulnerability that Louis is showing here. I mean, first of all, he's talking about her in a way that I think we should catch if we're like listening closely. Claudia was, Claudia was, right? There is this like weight to the way he talks about Claudia as clearly not part of his life anymore, right? Yeah. And and this lamentation for that. There's this regret, this pain uh, to the way that he's like revisiting all of this. And Malloy being like, uh, oh, yeah. Like, yes, she does have a singular style. And Frank meets Stephen King. It's like, oh, dude, too good. Perfect. It's too good. Uh, yeah, Claudia was. Uh, yeah, not great. Uh, but I feel like, it's just, I mean, three episodes to go, which is technically like we just passed the halfway point. Yeah, this, this is exactly our middle, right? Yeah. Yeah, halfway through this episode, which I guess, you know, for as much as we, but I, I, I feel like it's been a little bit slow going. And based on what I know, from the movie and the book, like what's left feels like you can't try and cram all that in three episodes. I, I, I don't know. I, I think at the end of this episode, I am much more thinking that um, we don't get all the book in this, in this, in this. I in this think book. you're right. This has been a point we've talked about a lot since the beginning. I've been, I've tried to remain very cautious about how I'm talking about spoilers and the book yeah. and all that. Obviously you've seen the movie. We've both been pretty cagey about it, but uh, I feel like you are right. I feel like we will have a major departure. And one of these kind of new beginnings that I keep talking about in the book is probably like the landing place for our season one, right? A huge part of my yeah. curiosity about this project is whether or not we're going to adapt the whole vampire chronicle and like what that looks like because interview is just one book and things change dramatically by the end of it if you're familiar with the story then like you're thinking along the same lines we are of like how are they going to pace this out and i would rather that they linger with the second half of the story and take a whole nother season to tell that than that we rush through it but then as i think to it like i wonder like gosh how many beats do they really need to convey? Like, I also would not at all be surprised if like season one does just end at the end of the book and they're like, okay, that was interview with the vampire. I know AMC is trying to do some big, uh, Anne Rice 
uh, universe, extended universe crossover energy, right, Grace? Isn't that a thing? Yeah. That yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, so the 13 books in the Vampire Chronicles and then mm -hmm. two in New Tales of the Vampires and six books in uh, Lives of the Mayfair Witches. Um, uh, yeah, the other show, there's another AMC show that's coming. But let me just see if I can figure it out as i as i vamp uh I, I mean i guess i could see it too i could see it as well that they they do finish by this season but there's some stuff that i i want to sit in for a while and i'd be a little bit disappointed uh uh if 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 we rush through it so it is mayfair witches that is coming um uh in the new year i believe and yeah. mayfair witches will like connect with this Anne Rice universe as it were yes. right there's a little bit of like uh, AMC is like they're landing the ship with the walking dead trying to like find their new vibe or whatever uh, to me like yeah vampires and witches much more interesting than zombies I've been and watching I a lot of witches dead for a long time so I've been watching a lot of witch con I watched the witch I watched the Robert Eagers so uh, I love the witch. it's so good it's so good Black uh, Peter. I love Yes, I love witch stuff, uh, as you know, hags and witches. Mm -hmm. uh, and yeah, I would be down for AMC just being like, yeah, we're just doing spooky stuff. Don't worry about us. We're just doing all of Anne Rice's material. So I'm uh, here for it. Uh, that like no. New Orleans uh, American Horror Story season was my absolute favorite. Give me the coven, you know, I'm down with the witch. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, very fun. Did we miss anything from this episode, Rich? I do just want to like stop down on the last beat here. Like yeah. Claudia's big final monologue. There's just so much that she's going into, right? As like the whole messaging to the diary has been this friend that she's writing to in this overtly precocious way that you've kind of identified of like, you know, she's a little too wise and a little too kind of erudite, but also very childlike and energetic and like her writing to her bestie that like oh dear new diary you've just entered what wonderful adventures we have you've entered a great family even though we're a little strange right to the point where she's now writing like you stupid stupid diary right. like right. you would think that a girl whose daddy gave her away and all of this wouldn't know what humor is but you don't know nothing and she gets into like the real heart and the soul of this realization that she's had of this uh, this this frozen stasis that she is trapped in of the lack of development that she'll have of all the doors that for all the infinite possibility that has become available to her through immortality through the supernatural abilities of being a vampire through the wealth that these men have accommodated to this girl who grew up destitute in poverty what she will never have is the experience of being an adult and knowing what it is to be an adult and go out into the world as she walks down the street and like the shitty judgmental racist girls across are like oh look who fell into mama's closet like when you are plagued with the ability to hear the thoughts of the people around you and you are trapped in this state you will like hear these truths from them perpetually and this is a real torment that claudia is like trapped within and i thought for as much as like some of the tonality was a little too like effervescent and Disney princess for me along the way, Grace. Like I feel you with that vibe. This is why I walk away from the episode really happy because this final monologue so crystallizes Claudia's paradigm shift her coming of age as it were of like you know what f these guys like uh she there's earlier on where she's talking to Louie and she notes like Lestat sits on knowledge like it's a chair or something. Right. And right. it's a great little turn of phrase of like, he keeps secrets. He's got power over them through these 
these truths that they don't know was the thing we saw him do with Louie early on of like, aren't you going to tell me how to do this thing? And and you time eventually Monterey. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. So I just love the way it crystallizes here at the end. And this is really like what sold me on the performance um, from our young actress. That's like taking on this big mantle as it were, but I really love the like final 10 minutes, you know? Uh, I I agree. I I made this joke to you before uh, it started, which uh, I'll, I'll then realize how I contradicted myself, which is I said, you know, I like where we end up in the end of the episode because my favorite scene from this show so far has been the ending scene of episode one, which yes. is when uh, Lestat turns Louis in the church. They've just killed two priests. Lestat looks like demonic with the blood uh, uh, going down his chin and, and Louis sort of like in the throes of wonder. That's the name of the episode. Um, you know, sitting there together, it felt so uh, dark uh, and yet beautiful at the same time like it you know felt really entrancing mm-hmm. and i don't know that we had that until the end of the episode is where i feel like we're the closest to getting there which is funny because like the thing i'm making fun of myself for is that yeah i really like it when it's like it's like dark and then yeah. i was like i guess she does kill like five people this episode <laughs> like it's not like it's not dark but it's just like, the way she does it and it's funny because i think that it's there's part of it that, that could be hypocritical in the way that like the way lestat kills somebody too when she kills the guy the, last the tanner week, yeah in the tenor and when he kills somebody last week uh when when louis is like we only should kill bad people and he like like moves and then slide swipes him into the alley and kills him and the guy's like out of the broken neck but there's just like a way that like almost like i i like the classiness uh a kill which i get that like i don't also need like i don't need another classy like french vampire that's not what i need yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's just like this particular thing of like a child an innocent child who now is basically like has this like thirst for blood a ruthless pursuit of blood with all child demanding it's not quite working for me in the way i was getting really excited for claudia in this episode so but i think by the end of the episode i'm excited to see where we go moving moving forward so I and totally... they did a good job story with claudia and louis and their relationship is what I, I really like actually but claudia with both louis and the side i thought was really great yeah. yeah yeah i feel you i think it's a really like a fair critique you know um, there is this exuberation it's like a disney ride you know where every one of these murders gets treats like a, a tootsie roll pop you know and there's this this like delight and like lack of reverence and i think part of like the film what i think the film did so well is like capture the gravitas to the extent that it's almost uh humorous right that it's almost like a parody of itself and i think it is fair to like say it's campy to an extent because mm-hmm. it's so over the top but yeah her whole last beat here of like oh you know what i'm doing just fine and how do i know that because the first man i killed called me the me devil. devil the last boy i killed the last boy i ever loved called me an angel so that means i'm on the right path like uh i just love the it's so like theatrical and operatic and ridiculously big and over the top. And that's part of the Kirsten Dunst depiction and, and a huge kind of tone of that original film of why I love it so much. And we get a little bit away from that into like the comedic elements of like really how ridiculously over the top some of this is and, and how jarring it is to see her glee at like the darkness of it all. But yeah, uh, I'm curious Agreed. to see about these last three episodes, but I do agree we've been slow rolling, you know? Yeah, um, which is fine. I, I think that this is a show that, uh, not, not unlike other shows where it's like the quality of that episode one, I think was so strong that everything else has felt like a little bit of a, of a step down, but not 
bad. It's not been bad TV. It's just been like for me, not really excellent TV. Like episode one yep. was. It's they set like, a high watermark for themselves. Yeah, yeah. But like knowing the beats that we're going to hit, some of the stuff I'm I'm really excited about. Listen, Claudia was one, but there is uh, one more, and particularly one more vampire who I'm very excited to see how they play into to, to this story, how they reimagine a particular a friend of ours, Rich. So, um, yeah, I think that's our, our uh, episode four coverage. In the meantime, what else do you got going on, Rich? Oh, bunch of stuff. You can find me on Twitter. I'm at DM Philly. My DMs are open if you want to hit me up about vampires or elves or Star Wars. Oh, my. Uh, feel free to um, stream in D&D over twitch.tv slash DM Philly. It's been a slow month in October, but we're always popping up around there when you least expect us. Uh, myself, Lakanya Starks, Brendan Fitzpatrick are talking about Andor. Uh, season one is halfway out. We get seven episodes so far. Gosh, Grace, it's incredible. Uh, know, it's such like wildly good TV it is uh much better than it has any right being really if you are at all on the fence or have been waiting for it go check it out i can't overstate it uh mike bloom and i finished coverage of the rings of power wrapped last week we had our final episode recap he's going to be coming back with angela to talk about the big picture overall of the season uh and uh last house of the dragon episode rolling up we're gonna have one more book club with taryn and mari and myself uh talking about episode 10 next week once it drops we'll probably Probably regroup again for feedback after that but that's mostly what i am doing these days thank you for asking uh no problem i'm happy to <laughs> uh i'm chatting about house of the dragon yesterday would have been the finale of house of the dragon so mike and i uh, uh podcasted about that also have weekly movie coverage last week we did a double feature of halloween ends and triangle of sadness uh, uh a movie all about how capitalism is bad uh, i feel like that might uh be lovely in the many of the hearts of us. i love the title and i believe the thesis so yeah it feels like my kind of movie yeah woody harrelson yeah as well uh this week we got two very interesting movies neither of which i'm sure will be that good but will be fun to talk about which is <laughs> black adam uh the rock playing a superhero and ticket to paradise the george clooney julia roberts movie which i'm actually kind of excited for i just feel like the trailer showed me the whole movie and i don't know what else there is <laughs> to talk about so uh i believe those are what we'll be covering next week uh shannon gus and i this week should have our first episode of the crown out we're uh, previewing seasons uh, one and season two uh big big controversy they stopped recording or uh, filming season uh six rich they've already uh, filmed season five but they stopped for season six because the queen passed away oh so, my word yeah they might be doing some reshoots and i wonder if they're gonna rewrite the ending of season six which is supposed to be the final season so i think that's very interesting wow now, fascinating mm -hmm. indeed yeah yeah um over on rob as a podcast you can check out roll call a board game show we play on twitch and youtube uh tomorrow uh or if you're listening to this on october 24th october 25th at 8 p.m eastern uh rob and i and some other friends will be playing clue the mysterious murder mystery board game so it should be very fun um yeah that's all i get going i'm on twitter at high from grace we'll be back with episode five you want another title rich this is always fun mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. a vile hunger for your hammering heart oh my word that uh feels like something yeah uh, so that will be episode five. We'll be back with coverage next week. Until then, struggling. With 
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.